in the car, Finn leaned hard on me as we as we cornered, like he just assumed I'd keep him up. I didn't mind. He'd been so good to me. It was the least I could do. And even, and even if he hadn't saved my life, he was a great dog. How I ever had lived without him, I couldn't say. That thought, he turned and licked my ear as if reading my thoughts. It was uncanny how he seemed to know what I was thinking, what needed to be done. If more humans had the kind of initiative and selflessness Finn McCool possessed, the world would be a better place. Ahead, I saw Xavier in town, driving fast. I didn't blame him for wanting to put some distance between us and Tyler and whoever he thought was coming after us. A flush of embarrassment came over me as I thought about how awesome my friend Xavier had been ever since I had met him. Here I was, thinking only about Finn when I had my new best friend sitting in front of me, kid who had done more for me in a few days than anyone had ever done, excluding my mother, of course. The coolest thing about Xavier is how much he knew. I mean, between the tech stuff and driving this car like he'd been racing all his life, he was a cool dude. Then I looked to the right at Maxine. Beautiful, graceful, kind Maxine. I stared at her and I stared at her wavy brown hair, pulled over to the side and onto, onto her shoulder. In the back seat, I could smell her fresh and clean. But my stomach turned and anger flared when my eyes lighted on the red and purple blotches on her neck where Tyler had grabbed her. Why hadn't I beaten that boy senseless? Next time I would. I thought about Xavier and the incident Max described, wondering how Xavier had immobilized Tyler yet stopped short of finishing him off. How had he dropped short of killing Tyler, though he could have done it easily? Xavier was real calm about it afterward. But it seemed to me more like complete detachment than a cool demeanor. Xavier had talked a little about his training and how Tyler needed to fight it. Fight what, exactly? After their earlier incident in the hoagie shop, it felt like a killing machine that had been topped off with skills and tactics and moves and counter moves specifically designed for combat. Whatever Xavier and Tyler were feeling, I had, fe I had felt it too. But I think somehow, they felt it worse. I'm not sure why, but I figured I'd need to talk to Xavier about that, how he and Max seemed to know people who would be coming to find us soon. I let things calm down a bit, but and then drop it on them both before they had time to talk on their own. Not saying I didn't trust them, but I figured I couldn't be too careful. How much did I really know about them anyway? As we drove for a while down Route 15 towards Gettysburg, I started wondering how far we would end up going on that highway, knowing that if we stayed on there for a couple hours, we'd soon be in Washington, D.C. Somewhere west in the leafy green mountains was Camp David, the longtime president's retreat, which FDR named Shangri-La. I wonder what was happening there or if our leader was still in D.C., but we didn't stay too long on Route 15, eventually exiting at Route 94, striking out toward the west. Since we're heading this way, we ought to head to Pine Grove Forest and hole up there for the night, I offered. Stay at land, and there are a lot of summer cabins operating more or less off the grid. Do you think it's safe, Yuli? Xavier asked, never taking his eyes off the road. We used to go swimming at Laurel Lake, and there it never seemed too busy to me. Even when it's busy, there aren't a lot of people there. I bet there are some survivors, the unchanged. It's worth a shot, Max said, and I wouldn't mind stopping for lunch in a nice, cool spot. I know I'm getting hungry, I said. Finn probably is, too. Looked over him. He was engrossed with the wind blowing on his face, watching the countryside pass along the side of the car at 70 miles per hour. So what do you know about all this, Maxine? I asked. I told you what I know, she said, pulling a pack of gum from her jeans pocket and popping a piece into her mouth. She reached back and offered the pack to me, which I accepted. I tapped a piece out of the pack and gave it back to her, chewing on it. Happily, happy she had offered it. We drove in silence. When she looked back at me, I wondered if I was smacking my lips and chewing too loud the way my mom tells me I do sometimes, so I stopped chewing altogether before speaking up. Both of you were expecting someone at the house today. Mind telling me who? Silence followed, and I let it go to see how long it would take before one of them spoke up. When I got bored, I started to count, making it to 97 before I grew impatient. What's the big secret? I demanded. 
None of this was a mistake, Julie. Not an accident or an act of war. It was all planned, Xavier said. How do you know that, I asked. Because I've seen their plans, Xavier shot back. Whose plans? What are you talking about? I challenged. The next scene turned in her seat to look at me, a tragic look on her face. He's right, Ulysses. I know for a fact he's right. I'm listening, I said, growing tired of the cryptic know-it-all comments. Mom says I've always been impatient. That's why I was born three weeks early. Xavier cleared his throat and began. I was in a charter school two years ago in Harrisburg, till it closed down all of a sudden. Thursday afternoon in English class, he told us tomorrow would be our last day and that we'd have to make other arrangements if we wanted to continue school. I was walking down the hall with the guidance counselor saw me and waved me into her office. I stepped into her office and saw two men in gray suits, one black guy and one white guy. The counselor said they wanted to talk to me. Let me guess, CIA interrupted. I knew you were a spy. Real funny, Xavier said in a tired voice. Truth is, I'm not sure what they were. The black guy told me they had a school, they had a school I could go to since I had tested so well and demonstrated a certain aptitude. Well, all I heard was two guys offering me a free education because I was smart. That, that meant I didn't have to attend an inner-city public high school, worry about getting beat up or shot every day. Had they started calling me Igor and told, and told me I'd be working for Dr. Frankenstein, I probably would have accepted. Are things that bad in Harrisburg, Maxine asked him. Xavier glanced over at her. You have no idea. No, I guess not, she said. So you walked out with them, I asked? No. He gave me a ticket on the Keystone Line running from Harrisburg to Penn Station in Midtown Manhattan for the following Monday, along with an address and a crisp $100 bill. Four days later, I was up before dawn on that train bound for New York. By that afternoon, I'd become a human terminal, so I know plenty about what they're up to. Then he added in a much quieter voice, If they know I'm around, if they know I'm not one of the changed, we're in big trouble. Xavier kept gripping and regripping the steering wheel nervously. So I figured I wasn't going to press him for more information. But I also figured I could try getting Max to talk. The more she played coy, the more I knew she knew plenty about whatever had happened to the world. I just couldn't figure out how she was connected. I needed to know. Somehow I thought it would help me find my mother. After turning off Route 15, heading south on Route 94, we drove up and down the steep hills. My stomach lurching each time we crested a hill, making me feel like a kid going over a tickle bump sitting in the backseat of my mother's car. The old people used to call this stretch of the road the roller coaster. Aside from the up and down, I was taken by the scenic beauty of the orchard on both sides of the rolling hills. Apples grown for the major canning companies was its primary purpose, but they grew peach trees and other fruit. Some of it sold for eating in the produce section, presumably. I just thought of some interesting trivia, I yelled from the backseat over the air rushing in front of the open windows. Who's the mascot of the local high school? Don't know, this yes, they were said. Bobcats, Max said. Nope. I said, your turn, Saber. Wildcats, he said. What's with the cat names, I asked. Two are pra- practically local, so he must have heard it at some point. Tell us, Max said. The canners, I told him. You know, because they can all this fruit in Adams County. That's messed up, Zaver said. He gunned the engine as we crested the hill, making us airborne for a brief moment. So they have some guy in a can or something for their mascot, Maxine asked, a smile on her face. Yes, that's just what they have, a can guy with big muscles. It's still messed up, Zaver mumbled. I think that's bad. Have you heard of the mascot for Boiling Springs, I asked? Let me guess. A guy made out of springs, Zira said. A pot full of boiling water, Max said with a laugh. Close. They're the bubblers, and they have a little guy made of bubbles with two eyes. From the springs, Zaver asked Xavier. They have a spring-fed lake in town, I said. Still a funny name, Max said. Not as funny as both of you expecting visitors today at your place, Max, I said. So that wasn't an awkward transition, Max said, an amused look in her eyes. So tell me about it, I said, grinning. It's a long story, she said. I held my arms wide and said, 
You got nothing but time. But before you start talking, we need to turn left at the bottom of this hill. Right there. A hard left on Route 34, then a few miles before we turn off again. Xavier said nothing as he slowed down to make the hard left.